guys and welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast where we talk everything Gold Coast Titans from the game to, you know, what's going on in the feeder clubs, in Burley Bears and Tweedhead Seagulls. We talk about literally everything. We give our 3-2-1 votes. We answer your questions, go through the team list and review the game, preview the game. Everything that you need to know about the Gold Coast Titans is right here on this podcast. So if you are here on YouTube, obviously smack that thumbs up button and subscribe if you are new around here. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, we do really appreciate you as well. But obviously it's not just myself here, obviously myself being BKR Sport, uh, but I'm here with Clarky from Clarky's Rapid League Column as well. How are we doing, man? Yeah, g'day, boys. G'day to all our listeners and viewers for our uh, third episode of the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. And uh, we are here under the circumstances of our first ever win. This is the first Woo-hoo! pod we've recorded after win. Our first one, we had the bias so and nothing to discuss there. And then the loss to the Bunnies. But yeah, we're here after a win. 28 to 12, we uh, we beat the Tigers at home. Thursday night, you were there live. How was it there? Oh, man. It was... Uh, look, we didn't have a great deal of people, obviously, in the stadium. But that's always going to happen when... For the starters, you know, we've been struggling of recent note, plus also the Tigers, the current Wooden Spooners, also uh, were in the bottom three, now into the bottom two. And for one point of the weekend, we're actually in last until the Dragons threw away that big lead against the Rabbitohs. So you're never really going to get a huge crowd to that regardless. However, it was also a Thursday night game, and this, unfortunately, last year wasn't exactly a fantastic game to really encourage people to get out. So we didn't have a great deal of people. I think we still hit the 10K mark, which was you know, still a positive comparatively to some of the crowds that I've seen you know, five, ten years ago. Uh, but the fact of the matter is we still had fun. Obviously, if you guys haven't seen the vlog on BKR Sport yet, uh, we uh, we had a good time. We were getting loud. We were getting proud, getting crazy. And that's all we can do, you know. So, no, the vibe was good. We got the win. Uh, I know it was a, a lower downtown of the table, but it, we did need it, especially as we'll talk about today, you know, kind of just pushing past that second half curse that we've had this season and falling away after leading. Because, again, we're still undefeated in the first half. So, yeah, obviously, you know, you're at home. What were your thoughts? Yeah, I've loved it. I mean, I just think it was one of those games that we just had to win. It, it's really as simple as that. And I know people will criticize and, and of course, fans of other teams, you know, whether it's in a banter or a series, will give it to us and say, oh, it's just the Tigers. But this is still a side that's beat the Panthers this year, put 66 points on the Cowboys, really pushed the Raiders who look a top eight side in that last 10 minutes. Um, so it was a must win for us because if people and opposition rival fans are going to say that after a win, you can only imagine what they were going to say uh, after a loss. You mentioned the halftime thing there. We were up 16 to 6. And on the halftime post on my page, the comments started flooding uh, flooding in. <laughs> I've seen this I've seen this book before. I know how this plays out. Congratulations, Tigers, on the win. So it was I'll so just, important we had. I'll just say on that, like obviously us in the stadium, we were exactly the same. I was looking around at everyone in the front line and I was saying to everybody, like, let's relax, like calm down. Uh, it was actually really... Uh, nice to see uh, a good man, Adam Bradley, who sits in the front line with us. He's uh, he's a really funny bloke, really good to be with. And when we went to Suncorp last year, he was there with me as well. But, you know, I looked over at him and uh, he it was like he, he replied. I said, are we going to win? He goes, yes. And I said, are we going to win? He goes, yes. And just kept getting more excited and more excited. But deep down, we all knew the reason why we were kind of really forcing this this positivity and this forcing this uh, you know, successful energy going into the second half was because we were worried. We were worried. Not because it was the Tigers, but again, because it was us. But as you said, it was a, a much-needed win. If we have lost that game, and I don't know how this season would have gone from here, you know, to go into the bye having, what, three losses in a row, one of which being to a team that we do expect to beat and do expect to win. Regardless of their positioning, we still expect to be beating the Tigers based off of last year and the fact that we are confident in what this team can provide. So it was a must-win game. And, you know, we have the Broncos uh, after the bye this week uh, at Suncorp Stadium. And the Broncos have mm. had a bit of a, a hoot-goo over us over recent recent years, which has been really, really frustrating. And they, fun fact, not a fun fact, but a fun fact nonetheless, are the ones who actually kind of initiated this comeback mentality against us back in what, 2021. Uh, I know Manly and Rabbitohs did as well, but they were also uh, <laughs> they were down 22 nil in the first 20 minutes against us and came back to win that game. So I, uh, I'm yeah, I'm nervous, but in the same sense, just happy to take that win. Happy to take that win. I hate to go back into the Passover. Was that the game where we were down to 11 and Dave scored just before half time? I, I think we had some bad mm, sin bins and no, that Fafita was... scored against the run of play. 
No, that was last year. I believe. I think that was last year. Yeah, because I was at some mm, okay. for that one. The year before that, so last year we were up. I think twenty-two four at halftime, maybe. And obviously the second half, we all know how that went. And the year before that was actually the first time it really ever happened, where we were up twenty-two nil in the first twenty minutes, and then I believe it was Tyson Gamble who started, you know, using that big old mouth of his and got under a few players' skins. And uh, by halftime, it was twenty-two twenty-two. So in the first twenty minutes, mm-hmm. we were up twenty-two nil. And then it was 22-22, and then I think we lost by about 10, 12 points in the end. So, yeah, um, not a great recent track record against the the Bronx, but I'm very confident that hopefully, you know, the boys have learned how to hold that second half out. Because, again, you know, the Tigers are not as actually bad as people... Like, I, I don't think that the competition... I don't think there is a bad team in the competition. I just think there are better teams than others. Because every single team, like there is, there is signs in that dragon side of the last right now that can show that they can beat teams. You know, there are signs in the Tigers who can do the same. And I don't know where you are. I just feel like if there's no bad team, there's just better teams, and uh, we we got the win. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah, sometimes the only thing separating a good team and a great team in the NRL is five or ten minutes of consistency in the game, small concentration lapses. Um, and that can really be the difference. Um, I know we went down a bit of a rabbit hole there with the Broncos game. I, th- I think our viewers can see how excited we are for that and how much it means <laughs> to us to have an opportunity to beat our big brother. But back to this Tigers game here. I mean, I- I've really got to single out the returns of AJ Brimson. I just thought he was electric with everything he brought to our side. He had that energy and, and our team looked really revitalised with him there. Yeah, where's Brimo, mate? We are back. You've absolutely come back and had a fire, right? You started off with a try. How are you feeling, big fella? Just happy to get the win, bro. Yeah. Just enjoy by. It's important, so now I'm just happy to be back. I seem to remember an interview we did a couple of weeks ago at training and you said you were the solution. Do you reckon you were the solution out there tonight? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> but also Jimmy Joloff, the way he came off the bench and really... I think that's an area where once our starters being uh, Mo and Tino do leave the field, opposition teams do seem to generate some momentum over us. Jimmy Jolliffe, you cannot stop the man. It's impossible to stop him. Jimmy, mate, we won. How are you feeling? Yeah, good. Um, yeah, it's happy to win for the fans. and It's got to be back. Uh, Rio wasn't too fun. And, um... Yeah, it's proud we got Hey, your first game back, we get a win. I know it is against the Tigers, but it still must feel really good just to get back in that win circle. Yeah, it is. Uh, people underestimate the Tigers. They've pushed a lot of teams all the way. Uh, they were physical and tough tonight. Um, but yeah, back to us. I just think we, we play well and we come out in the second half and then suck that process well. Yeah, I'm well, we've all been backing you the entire way, man. Obviously, being back on the Gold Coast, is that a big like benefit to you guys on the field? Because obviously, we've had so many away games so much. So far. Yeah, it is. We love we love our home here. We love our fans, and um, you know, as a playing group, we want to make everyone proud that comes to see us. So happy to do it tonight. We've got a lot of home games at the back end of the year. So um, yeah, looking forward to a good run home. Once I've had that, man, it's been really hard for us to stop that. Having a big body like Jimmy Joloff come off the benches, it, it's been awesome for us. And I was doing a post today, actually. Um, top ten average uh, meters forwards only in the NRL. Tino and Mo are both exactly on 158. And Dave's on 157. So out of all the forwards in the NRL, we've got three in the top 10. And they sit 6th, uh, 7th, 8th, which is a pretty crazy stat. That's that, pretty insane. You know, yeah. We're here after, what, 13 games, and they're averaging the exact same. So um, we know what they bring to the table. But Jimmy Joloff was a very underrated and a very important return, I thought. Did you see it that way? Yeah, Jimmy Joloff, well, we've been speaking about this for weeks now. He's been a major loss. In the preseason, he was running like 200 metres, and he is a, a big bopper. Uh, you know, we did interview him, and we'll, we'll show you some interviews in a little bit, guys. Uh, but we did interview him uh, after the game, and, you know, he was a, a, a much-needed player in this team. He's a, a front-row forward who can just absolutely run it straight, get some good meterage, and, uh, you know, he's a very, very solid player. And everything about what Jimmy Joloff brings to this team is he just... he, he, he just wants all bit of success for this club. And um, every time you saw him with the ball, you could see that. And he just brings a lot more solidity as well. You know, he's a, a mature mind in the game as well from a, a front row forwards perspective. And, you know, you obviously have, um, you know, young guys in the likes of uh, Tino and whatnot. And also Dave, who's still quite young. You know, you've still got uh, Mo. They're, they're, they're great players, but also Jimmy really just kind of settles everyone down a lot more in my personal opinion. So yeah, Jimmy coming off the bench there and, and tearing it up was uh, was brilliant. And, um, you know, I'm really excited to have him back because I think he's one of the more underrated players in the game, especially in front row forwards. 
You completely agree. I've got a single out Tanner Boyd as well. I know you put him as your two points last week. You're certainly not someone that's underrating him, but I want to go particularly to his goal kicking. He kicked four out of five for us again. was brilliant. This season, he's kicking at over 80%, one of the highest completion in the competition uh, for converted goals. And I keep seeing comments pop up on my page saying, Titans need a new goal kicker. You guys need to drop that goal kicker. Um, and I just think that's crazy. Like he well, is wait, kicking. Wait, you've actually received comments saying people people Multiple. saying that Tanner Boyd should should not be kicking. Multiple. When it happened the first time, it was the game where he missed a couple. But when it happened again this game, I thought that's just crazy. He only missed one, and there were some tough kicks to make. I thought he was great. I got a single amount of Tanner Boyd doesn't and... miss, mate. Tanner, Tanner yeah. Boyd, he does not miss. It's not bossy boy. Tanner Boyd does not miss. He's literally got the best conversion rate in the game right now, if I'm not mistaken. Like he's up above ninety percent. Like. Overall, he's not missing much at all. I don't understand that those comments from those people at all whatsoever. And I'm sure they're not Titans fans. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming they're probably fans of opposition teams who don't watch the Titans and don't know that Tanner's done nothing wrong in regards to conversion. If you want to go and take a look at his defense or you want to go take a look at, you know, I guess the direction of play from the halfback position of Tanner, then okay, you can criticise points of that, but to criticise the, the conversion kicking is just insane to me. So, yeah, Tanner Boyd doesn't miss. He does not miss, man. Yeah, he was also, and I'm just looking at the stats now, the, the top nine for converted are on 100%, but they've all kicked less than 10, so I wouldn't um, read into that too much at all. They, you know, they've only kicked a couple. As far as, like, consistent goal kickers go, then, yeah, he's, he's right up there with the Garricks and the Sean Johnsons of the game, so... You know, love what Tanner's bringing. And the two points are, are so important, like we spoke about last week. Have a look through the stats on this one. We're pretty similar across the board with them. Probably the key stats to call out from this one was they did only complete at 70%, but they did have 20 offloads to our six. So there was obviously an intent there for them to take those risks and, and throw it around. And I've got to admit, watching on television, I didn't notice 20 offloads. It certainly didn't feel like they were getting it away all that often, but that that stat there took me by surprise. Did you see it differently at the grounds? No, we. You can definitely. I definitely noticed that they had a few offloads here and there. Uh, it was very frustrating. I, I did think that. Uh, and with my, uh, you know, controversial hat on, I was thinking that we were getting a little bit dudded in regards to. Uh, you know, certain calls. However, I do think that uh, the offloading from the, the Tigers was was pretty noticeable for me because every time they were getting on a, on a, a bit of a run, they just really tried to force that, that hand free, which is not something that a lot of teams do. It's usually just what those bottom teams are doing because they are able to take those risks because of the fact that if they don't take the risk, they're probably going to lose. And that's why they're down the bottom of the table. So yeah, look, they got the they got oh, got the offloads away. We've actually been a team for quite a long time that has allowed offloads. Uh, we, we, we do you know, frequently give up quite a few offloads there because, maybe, I don't know, maybe they just feel like the tackle's already done and then they, they clock off and then someone just gets that hand out. But I think there's, the offloads are more so coming in the attacking 20 and the attacking 30. I don't think they were coming from behind the halfway line. I think they were coming from, yeah, it, when they were on the attack and they could just throw the ball around a bit more because that's what the Tigers did against the Cowboys. And that's the Tigers are probably, they do have quite a bit of offloads in their game, but that's because they also have a, a great forward pack that, you know, really pr prioritizes the offloading game, in my opinion. Yeah, they got a great forward pack, but uh, our job did an exceptional team to shut them down. Tino was intimidating mm. with some of his shots. Um, on John Bateman, you could see Bateman was visibly frustrated going at Tino later in the game. Other stat I've got to call out, we had uh, 32 ineffective tackles to their nine. So they were definitely getting opportunities there. We, we were having some ineffective tackles. I suppose that kind of goes hand in hand with the offloads. An ineffective tackle does lead to the for the option for them to offload. Um, but, I mean, I'm just so happy. I mean, Tigers, thank you very much for the games this year. Um, if we meet again in finals, we meet again in finals. But um, <laughs> they're a side that's improving, and we've gone two and over them this year. So I'm really happy with that. And I think we've got a base now to go to another level. We've got our core players back. We've got some confidence. We've gotten past that second half issues. And I really hope we've got a solid base now to go to the next level for the next game. Um, and I think I think we might need to, um, just for the fact that the Tigers did lose Appy Coruscant early in the game, and they did lose Luke Brooks late in the game. So maybe you could say if you're a Tigers fan, you're a little bit unfortunate. Um, I spoke of them missing Appy there. Obviously, we've got to talk about that. That was probably the biggest talk, and still is. Um, NRL 360 last night, Braith and Asta having a go at our captain, saying that it's, it was absolutely intentional and, and all sorts of stuff. 
Um, I don't watch an arrow 360, but I did see the clip on my Instagram. And your thoughts on the Tino incident? I, I'm hearing a raised elbow. I certainly didn't see it that way. Um, you know, I guess it doesn't matter what we say because people are going to assume we're coming from a place of bias. But just as as level as you can, how did you see the incident? Yeah, I'm okay with people thinking because I look. Obviously, I see Tanner every week. I conversate with him all the time. I I know what this man's character is, and he's absolutely not doing anything intentionally. Like if anyone believes that, then you're crazy. You can think somebody's a grub on the field all your life, but to insult a player's character is just insane for me in regards to Tanner Fasulmalawi. Because every time that He's just such a humble man. He really is. And I can tell you that from my personal experiences with him and, and seeing him every single week off the field. So these people don't obviously get to see him off the field. They don't really get to see anything that's not him on the job and working kind of deal. Uh, you know, I, I think that in regards to that incident, you look at the two guys that the controversy is surrounding and one of them is referring to Reid Marnie, who is, you know what, half, what, five foot six or five foot seven. He's not a tall bloke. And then you've got Apicotowisau, who is pretty much the same height, if not shorter. I think he might be like five, five, Appy might be five, six, and Reed might be like five, eight or five, seven. And Tino is six, five. Like that's like a whole foot taller than these guys. And the way that Tino is running in, he's preparing for contact. There is no way, shape or form that you can tell me that when he's preparing for contact, that he's lifting the elbow intentionally to go at a player's head. Now, if you want to wipe out uh, the, you know, br uh, kind of bringing in your arm like this for contact and, and putting and the elbow kind of coming up a little bit, he's not intentionally doing that at all. And I don't even believe that's the case. He's just literally holding the ball and coming in to a tackle. Appy is a small bloke. He's come in with his head up. And I believe that that, unfortunately, and a bless up to Appy. I hope that he comes back stronger. I hope that he, you know, recovers well. However, I do think that a lot of the responsibility of that tackle does actually go to Apicotowisau in the fact that he came in incorrectly to a bigger guy and Tino is, is bracing for contact. So for me, I, I disagree with the, the notion that he is... And, and for Braith and Nasta to come out and say... And he literally said that Tino looked up at Reed and then intentionally brings up his elbow. That is a disgraceful thing for Braith to say because he's literally defaming his character at that point and saying that he is trying to hurt other players. And I think that is absolutely ridiculous. And I think Braith Anasta has to have a word to himself because all good having a ability to commentate and all good having an ability to provide your opinion on a, on a larger scale. But let's not try and defame uh, players' characters based on the fact that you want to put give yourself a leg up in regards to providing the, the clicks and the controversy and whatnot. Because I think that's all that is. Because you can no way tell me Tino is deliberately going to injure a player. Do you agree with that? Well, my question to Fox League would be, why, why, are, we still, why are they still covering this? Like, you know, maybe it sounds ironic because we are, but we're covering it from the perspective of we agree with the NRL match review committee that has said no infringement was recorded. And we're only responding because some people in the media still think that there was an infringement. Clearly there's not. I mean, the match reviews committees, their entire sole purpose for existing is to review the whole game and pick out charges where they're required. And my, in my this question case, here, no sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but Jared Warrior Hargraves on Moses Leota over the weekend, why is no one talking about that? Like, Moses Leota has actually arguably been hit higher simply because that Moses Leota is actually taller than both of the guys in question here. And Warrior Hargraves had multiple instances in that game of trying to rile up the opposition. So it seems like, if anything, it's going to be intentional. I'm not saying that Warrior Hargraves is intended to do it, but with that being said... He was very clearly trying to intimidate and instigate things with the opposition through multiple instances. I don't understand why we're not talking about Jerry Hargraves and his hit with uh, with Moses Leota, who obviously had to go out because his head was bleeding, the top of his head was bleeding. But yet we're mm -hmm. happy to to sit here and not us two, but people in Fox League, Fox, all that type of stuff is happy to come out and insult Tino. And I think that's because Rory Hargraves isn't going to be playing Origin. Tino is going to be playing Origin. New South Wales have a lot of players out right now. I think it was a bit of a, you took Apicotaway South from us, so let's try and get Tino Fasumalari from you. Because Tino is a fantastic player and will do an incredible job in Queensland like he did in Game 1. So I feel like there's personally an agenda here because they're happy to not talk about one 
and it was arguably worse. And the only reason I think they were talking about Latino and Appy won is because of the injury to Appy. But I, I think that if he doesn't get injured there, no one's talking about it, which defeats the whole purpose of everything here because, again, Appy is nearly a foot shorter than Tino. He needs to tackle better when he's going up against a bigger guy, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And the other incident I'd like to add to that is Mike Acevo from the Eels. Mm -hmm. um, he definitely did stop, and that's what a raised elbow looks like. The elbow did come up in that Sevo in that Sevo incident there. And the big difference for Tino's was the point of contact was the wrist. He's lifting his bumper bar up to brace for contact in a tackle, which is perfectly legal via the Rugby League rulebook. Yes, it's very unfortunate what happened to Appy, but if, as you say, I think you hit the nail on the head. If that's just a regulation tackle and Appy goes, oh, that hurt a bit and no bone is broken in his jaw, then it's completely play on and no one talks about it again. Uh, but yeah, my final thoughts for this. Um, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to Tino. And the, as you say, he's got great character. He leads our club well. We love you, mate. We can't speak highly enough of you. But more importantly, uh, we both want to send our best wishes to Appy Corusau mm -hmm. with his recovery and the Tigers um, because it was a it was an unfortunate incident. Um, and we do feel for Appy, the fact oh, that even though we're both Queenslanders as well. It's definitely an unfortunate incident. And we, I definitely have much love for Appy Corusau. Obviously, I have a big, um, you know, connection with Fiji due to my daughter being returned in Fiji. And, you know, I love watching Appy Corusau play. You know, there's nothing against Appy here. And I'm not having a go at Appy whatsoever. It's not his fault fault that this whole thing has blown up out of proportion. It's unfortunate that he's become injured, which is, you know, unfortunately a, a, a responsibility of the way that he tackled, in my personal opinion. There's nothing on Appy. And yeah, hopefully he, he gets better as soon as possible because I love watching him play. He's one of the most intelligent players in the game and in that hooker position. And, you know, I always say, I want to play the best. The, to be the best, you've got to beat the best. You don't want to beat the rest because if you beat the rest, then everyone's going to come out and say, their excuses and blame the excuses. Look, New South Wales will do this in game two if they are to lose. They will come out and say, no Cleary, no uh, Apicotoui Sau, none of these players are all out. This is the reason we didn't win. And it's like, you don't want that. You want to beat the best to show that you are the best, right? So yeah, I, I would have nothing but love for Appy, but I just feel like, unfortunately, the way he went to that tackle was incorrect. And I do, I feel unfortunate for him, but it was more his responsibility in my opinion. Yeah, completely echo that. Um, yeah, I think we park it there. But yeah, Appy, best wishes to you. Accidents happen in a contact sport and there doesn't need to be a bad guy in this story. It was just an accident. We wish Tino all the best and we wish Appy all the best also. Let's go to our three, two, ones. I'll kick us off. Three points. I did go that man, Tino Fa'asur Malawi, just for the way he had just so much impact in the middle there. Not just stats-wise. Obviously, his stats were impressive. Um, 150 plus meters. I'm not sure exactly how many tackles, but what I can confirm is the the physicality of those tackles. He rocked Bateman. He rocked Brooks. He rocked someone else in that game too. And it got to a point where you could see the Tigers were visibly frustrated um, because they just could not match it with Tino's physicality. He was awesome for us. He led by example, as any good captain should. So Tino gets my three points in this one. Who gets your three points? Yeah, look, I think Tino was absolutely fantastic and he will feature on my 3-2-1. But I am going to give it to the milestone man. I'm going to give it to Philip Sami, who uh, achieved his 100th oh, yeah. game on the weekend. He had 290 metres, one try, line break, eight tackle breaks and 137 kick return metres. I thought Philip Sami was fantastic and he's had a really good year this year. And I'm actually kind of a little bit surprised that he hasn't been touted for Queensland at any stage. He did play in Queensland back in 2020, didn't exactly have a fantastic game, even though they won that game, but he didn't have the most unbelievable game. He's taken a couple of years to get back to the form, but I believe he's actually a bigger and better player than he was back then, right now. And with the injury of Selwyn Cobbo, I was thinking maybe with Sami's form, he could have actually got in over Xavier Coates. So I don't think that Xavier Coates' form has been better than Philip Sami's. So I was a little bit surprised there, but yeah, I'd give it to, to Philip. I thought he was fantastic. Obviously, um, 290 metres is ridiculous, and I believe that's one of the a, a Titans' record. And just to score a try in 100th game, really impressive. So for me, I'm going to three points to, to Phil Sami. I was so happy to see Phil score. No one deserves it more than him. And let's let's be brutally honest right now. People, again, might be thinking we're biased here, but Jermaine Osako, I, I think you lock him in as one of the best wingers this year. He's been unbelievable. But that second spot could be Marzu, Sami, maybe Sevo who leads the NRL trying. But if you offer Philip Sammy as in the team of the year, then it's really, I don't see too much debate. He has just been 
simply awesome, especially when he's on the wing there. My two points, I went Moeki Fotueka, who is now in the Maroon squad, which, of course, you and I are both very happy with. Um, again, not statistically his best game. 12 hit-ups for 138 metres, two tackle breaks, and 34 tackles. He certainly produced some larger numbers this year, but I just love the way he backed up Tino. Our captain was taking it to him, and Big Mo said, look, I don't want to miss out on this. And he went just as hard and backed him up. And he had some huge shots of his own in there. And I go back to it again, physicality. We really were really, really powerful in the middle against a Tigers pack, which we needed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at who they got there, Utu Ikamanu, Blues player, Coruscant, Blues player, Clemmer. Uh, people say he should be a Blues player. They're, and then their back row is Papali and Bateman, two internationals as well. And thanks to Tino and Mo in particular, I really feel we matched it with them. So I've got Mo for my two points. Who'd you give your two as who did you yeah. give your two to? <laughs> I, I like I had to I had to give to Tino. Like there's no way that I couldn't give it to Tino. He was incredible. As you said, those those big hits that he was making. The one on John Bateman. Oh, he got rocked. <laughs> he got he got rocked, Excellent. Johnny Bateman. He learned he learned his lesson from his little brain snap and Tino went and gave him a good old crack, and that's what we love with with Tino. You know, he is a he is a cool head. Sometimes, obviously, that can go wrong, but just he times that so perfectly. And, you know, you go and have a look at what he does this team. It's going to be difficult to see him not get at least one of these votes every single week just because of the influence and the impact that he does have. And, yeah, it's just for me, it's been, um, it's, it's, it's really incredible to see. It's really incredible to see what Tino does as a young bloke. It really is. So, no, I give him my two points. And I think for me, Mo is going to be un- unlucky to miss out here on, on, on any of these points on my end because he was fantastic. But, again, we won. So, yeah, I'm, um, I do want to give a, a definitely a recommendation to Mo. But uh, for my one point, I actually am giving to AJ Brimson. I'm going to give it to the Brimdog Millionaire. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, coming back in, he was incredible, uh, scoring a try in the first 15 minutes, which set us up for, for what was to come, obviously. And uh, yeah, no, everything to do with what AJ did at the back, which is so solid. I think that really does settle down the fullback debate. I know it was one game, but I feel like AJ clearly is our number one. Uh, and he just, everything about him just summarizes the Gold Coast and, and, and how much he came back in and, and solidified us at the back and was really safe. So, yeah, got a try assist where he kicked it through for JC. Uh, also, obviously got that try. So, no, I go to AJ. And for those who might have missed our podcast last uh, episode or last week, we actually did get the question, is AJ the Titans' long-term fullback? And we said he's our fullback until he's not our fullback. He's so versatile that he might have to fit in somewhere else, but... It's only on the condition that Brumo wants to uh, because he is our best fullback option still. I can't really add too much to what you said. He was simply awesome. One try, uh, two try assists, 114 metres, six tackle breaks, line break, line break assists, five tackles for zero missed, zero errors. Solid as you like. That's as solid as you like for your fullback there. Uh, brilliant, brilliant work there by Brimson. Just going through the team list, I mean, uh, you could almost shout out the entire team. If I had to give one further shout out, I'm going to go Cleese Haas. I was Scored, about to say, I, you, that's crazy. You were thinking that. I was like, if anything, yeah. it'd be Cleese. Yeah, especially with that try they scored from 10. Yeah, and I think, I'm not sure if that's his first. No, it's not his first NRL try, but it's, no, it's second NRL try, I believe. Down at Brookvale, he scored one try in the break. Uh, I remember this, yeah, year, he, this year. Yeah, He came straight on and scored in that game. Uh, but yeah, I thought Cleese was really solid for us. He had the 33 tackles there, had an offload, a line break, four tackle breaks, and of course the try. Um, and I think, as you guys will see when we get into our Q&A section, there's already interest around whether he um, continues to start for us long term. So there's our three, two, ones. Let's go around the grounds. Tweed and Bear, uh, Burley Bears, both of our feeder clubs. Of course, next year, this segment will be us talking about our reserve grade team, which we're looking to introduce um, I'll kick us off. I'll kick us off with Tweed. Uh, so the Tweed Seagulls defeated the Central Queensland Capras 42 to 18th. That moves them to eighth spot on the ladder. And for our Titans boys in this one, Tremaine Spry, two tries, 190 metres and a try assist. Excellent work there for Tremaine. Um, some great depth out wide for us there. I was impressed with uh, Tom Weaver and Toby Sexton, both 100 plus metres each. Um, they often say that, not often, they often say, but I've always heard Andrew John say rather that when you're down on confidence or you're not quite sure as a half, unlock your running game first and the rest will come off it. And for these guys, if they were to come into the NRL, 
um, and playing the halves for us there as an option, then certainly their running game looks to be an area of confidence, which is great for us. Jojo Fafita was on the wing there, um, as he was unfortunately dropped from our side. He ended up with three tackle breaks and 143 metres. Solid effort there by Jojo. And uh, Joe Vuna in the middle, 117 metres, 17 tackles and zero missed. So big Joe there putting his name uh, in the hat to potentially come back via our interchange. Uh, the Bears are up against the North Devils. How'd they go on that one? Yeah, look, the Bears obviously got the win. They are in second position right now. Uh, they uh, The Bears defeated the North Devils 28-22. to uh, The only reason they're actually in second right now, they've actually got more wins. Ten wins to the uh, South Logan, who have nine wins there. So uh, is it was it a bye that South Logan had? Or did you say they had two draws and a bye? Or what, yeah, what happened they, they've had a bye and two draws, so it puts them on higher higher yeah. points than us. Yeah, so obviously the, the Bears, you could actually make an argument for the fact that they are top of the table right now, and that's a good win against North. North are a very solid team up there near the airport in Brisbane. A very good team. Kenny, oh, Keanu Kenny had a fantastic game, running for over 245 metres, had a line break, line break assist, seven tackle breaks, and and uh, two try assists there. So Keanu Kenny, I've been, I've been raving on about him for, for a long time now and saying that he is just a quality talent. He's young, and we've got to really be patient with him because... He comes into a team that we have fullback depth as it is. We have JC, we have AJ Brimson. Now we've also got Keanu Kenny there. Uh, it's it's very difficult to see him getting that opportunity there in the position that he does want. But if he keeps playing games like that, even that game against the Rabbitohs where he de- really debuted last week. I know he debuted against the Eels back at Magic Round, but that was only for 5-10 minutes as a hooker, uh, which is not his position. Uh, but last week he got that full game against the Rabbitohs. I thought... For his age and for a, a solid, like actual debut, I thought he was good. So if he keeps playing like that, he'll absolutely be coming up into the um, the NRL eventually. But it, it still could be a while away due to the fact we've got the Brim God Millionaire and also JC. Uh, Tony Francis also had a good game. One try and 113 metres. And then Jacob Alec with the one line break. 152 metres and 24 tackles. And Alec is the one that everyone's obviously talking about saying, well, maybe we give him an opportunity. And we've spoken about it a couple of times now. Actually, both episodes have had him predominantly feature in the fact that, look, if there is a, a player of need to come up, then you definitely, I guess, wouldn't be saying no to a, a Jacob Alec and give him a, a, a potential because he is a Papua New Guinea representative. He played for them in the World Cup and although he's young and although he hasn't had his opportunity yet, maybe we give him his opportunity. What would you say to that? I love it. I'm just getting up his stats now. Uh, still 23 years old, as you said, still very young. Um, this year, he's now on 12 games for the Bears, eight tries, nine line breaks. Um, he's tackling at a 96% efficiency, averaging 120 metres. Um, and it, it feels like every week we've done this segment, we've spoke about him. So you have to feel he's edging closer to a debut. And just to circle back to Keanu Kinney there for a moment, how awesome is it that you know we, we have these players like Jaden Campbell and Brimson that can play fullback and 5'8 interchanges require... Both of your backup halves are running 100-plus metres in a win, and your other backup fullbacks almost hitting 250 metres, setting up two tries, and just, you know, you can't ask for much more. So and I think, you I know, will some great depth. As, I will say that as well. Jojo and Spry both, you know, depth wingers. Like, obviously, Jojo, it's, we, did, we were surprised that he wasn't selected for the game against the mm. Tigers, uh, but obviously he didn't, and, and had a good game, three tackle breaks in those 143 metres, that's good. And then uh, Tremaine Spry has been spoken about for a while now. Obviously, he had an unfortunate event that uh, he had to, you know, fight the adversity through and, and get through. And he has done that. Two tries, 190 metres, and a try assist. Like, truly, it's it's the difficulty with Spry. And it's just our wings. This is why I kept, I keep repeating the same thing. Anyone complaining about losing Greg Martiu? Greg Martiu, to us, unfortunately, is not a loss. I don't have any issue with the loss because we've got so many great wingers. We're not we're not scared to score a try. We scored another 28 points in the weekend. The only game that in recent memory where we went under 20 points was against the Bulldogs and we, we hit 18. So we have no issue scoring points. It's the defense and, and Greg Marcy wasn't exactly known for his defense. So you've got Spry, you've got Jojo, you've got Loffy. You know, I guarantee that Keanu Kinney could even play in that position as well. You've got Phil Sami uh, who can play there or in the centers. You know, you've got a whole heap of depth in this area and I love the the backline depth we have, as you said, with Tommy Weaver, Tubby Sexton, uh, and yeah, no, I, I'm I'm really liking it. So obviously, with with Kieran Foran, he's definitely got a, a future replacement in either Toby Sexton or, or Tommy Weaver. And not to speak in your behalf, but I'm almost certain you'll agree with me that we're going to back no matter where, no matter who you are for the Titans, whether you're playing for our NRL side or our reserve grade sides, 
we're going to back you all the way. And stuff like this is only good for the club as fans because um, it puts pressure on, you know, Alofiana Khan Prairie is having an impressive rookie season to really keep those numbers up and keep developing because we've got talent there, such as Spry and Jojo in reserve grade for Wings examples, putting the pressure on there. So it's really good for a club culture actually to have these options and have this depth. I, I absolutely love it. Yeah, Current injury list. Thank God this is small. We don't really have that much to go over, which is great. Kieran Foran, uh, the NRL website has him due back round 17, which would, of course, uh, be after our bye against the Broncos. Have you heard anything that would contradict that? Uh, no, uh, I believe that Foz is meant to be coming back. Um, uh, I think, yeah, Broncos game. Yeah, 100%. But obviously, JC did have a pretty good game. I do believe that if anything was to happen, he would go to the 14, however. So, yeah, Foran comes back in and we need him for an experienced game there at the uh, the Broncos game. Perfect. And of course, Dave Fafita was out, but he's now back for the Queensland side. So uh, he may back up for us against the Broncos, but he is fit and healthy after suffering. Well, I think the media played it up a little bit um, because it was a great origin clickbait headline of Fafita under concussion cloud. Um, Holbrook basically said there was like some extremely minor symptoms and they were just like, hey, let's not make him play three games back to back to back. Mm. Let's just give him a rest, which is like, it's, it's good coaching. We won anyway. Uh, great work there to make the right decision. And of course, oh, I'm, I'm going to hate saying this most weeks, Bo Firma, um, we miss him out there, but he'll be back for us next year with that ACL injury. Um, and I believe he told you post-game he'll be fully ready to go by November, wasn't it? I'm here with the big man Bowie Firma. Obviously, he's unfortunately ended this season, but sitting down on the sidelines watching the boys. How do you feel about the result today? And obviously, you know, uh, you're not looking to get back this year, but are you tracking along well for next season? Yeah, definitely. I'll be, um, if there was games to play in November, I'd be right to go. So I'll be right on um, day one of pre-season to be fine and um, to make sure that I'm fit and ready to go for round one. 100% man, you're confident these boys made the agency? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, Bowie and I, we had a chat after the game on the on the vlog on, on VKR Sport. And yeah, he told me that if it was November, if there was footy being played in November, he'd be right to go. But unfortunately, the grand final is in the first day of October, the 1st of October. So uh, Bowie won't be back this year, and that's a big loss. But then again, you know, with with the, the likes of Dave Fafita getting a bit of a rest, who was still obviously in attendance on the weekend, I did see him after the game, uh, he will be back as soon as possible. But we got to see Khalees Huss come through, and as we said, had a, had a pretty good game there, Khalees, as he's really still trying to find his feet. So... You know, although it's a negative that we didn't have Dave, the fact of the matter is, we won. I will not lie, though, I was a little bit nervous going in with Stimson and also Cleese in that back row to start. I was a little bit nervous not having a guy like Dave there, just that, that real proven, experienced talent that is just so, you know, groundbreaking in what he can do. So I was nervous, but again, you know, we, we only considered 12 points there to the Tigers, and it was great to see uh, Cleese get his opportunity. Mate, it was fair to be nervous in all honesty. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The last time Bateman played in the early was back row of the year. And the last two years, Papali has been back row of the year. So they certainly had an advantage on us there. But our boys, to their credit, stepped up. And although we miss you, Bo, and wish you all the best, keep ripping to that recovery, mate. Um, Long term for the Titans. Um, you know, we seem to think that you'll be back there starting on that on one edge, Dave on the other. Oh, Great Bowie combination. Firma, Dave for feeder partnership. Isn't it? That is just outrageous. Amazing. And then all these other players like Cleese Haas, Joe Stimson are going to have this experience in back row, a little bit of middle to really push for those bench spots and come on and have some good minutes as well. So, yeah, we we can't wait to see you back out there. The Maroons might have a legitimate just Queensland forward pack at this point next year. Moeke Fodaway gets in a Fatsu Malawi. You've got Dave Fafita and then potentially Bowie Firma comes back because he was touted to make his origin debut this year. He was in the team last year but didn't get his opportunity. You know, imagine the scenes. Like, that's just... It really just shows that we do have a really, really solid four-pack, and it's just about implementing the, the bench at the right time, and, and we're going to have... <laughs> truly, if we've got an origin four-pack, then we're going to have one of the best four-packs in the comp. Yeah, we are. And, and don't forget to throw AJ in for 14 there, maybe. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Mal, hey, Mal Meninga did say, when he coached him for the World Nines for the Australian Kangaroos, he's always looked at AJ and thought his best position's hooker. Yeah. So you can carry AJ as the 14 there if, with Harry Grant starting potentially. Um, that would just be awesome to see AJ back in an origin jersey for us as well. At this point of the show, usually we would review the team list. Obviously, we're not going to do that next week. And we're not going to preview the game either. We will walk away with the two points there, um, which is awesome for us. I'm just going to actually... Wait, are you talking about, are you talking about the bye? 
Yes, but I was saying we'll definitely walk away. <laughs> I was like, surely you're not saying that about the Bronx just yet. Surely let's just we'll, no. we'll get into next week's episode and we'll discuss having a deal with those guys up an hour up the road. Uh, but I, for some reason, my head just then, I thought you were saying that's an easy two points. I was like, oh no, you've memed yourself, you Clark. You've memed yourself. Yeah, but, no. Uh, yeah, no, it's all good. I understand you that totally. Yeah, we're on 16 points, so we'd go to 18. We're a chance to be in the top eight next week, but we'd so, need... no. So, uh, if the Bulldogs had have beat the Eels yesterday, then we would have had a chance to be in the eight. However, because the Eels play manly, so uh, one of those two teams win. will be above us. Uh, but again, if the Eels had lost the Bulldogs, we would have been above the Eels, and then if the Eels beat manly, then we would have gone into eighth position because the Raiders have the bye. And uh, so to... Uh, who's the team in seventh right now? It's not the Warriors. They're sixth, aren't they? Uh, Warriors six. We've got Raiders seventh, Seagulls oh, eighth. There you go. So Sharkies yeah. are fifth on 18 points as well. Yeah, but their points differential is way better than ours. Yeah, um, points. But can I just say, like, I know we've had some buys and stuff like that, but like, um, just looking at it purely on the ladder, let's say the Sharks, for example, they've had two buys as well. They're on 18 points in fifth. We're on 16 points in tenth. So we might not crack the eight next week. Like I said, apologies yeah. um, to our listeners, but my we're one or two consistent weeks away from being back in that top eight. So we do. The only unfortunate thing here for us is that again, we have a really good stretch at home, but despite that, we also do have a pretty tough back end of the season where we do take on teams like the Panthers, like the storm, like the sharks, uh, like the Broncos in two weeks' time, you know we do have a bit of a, a of a difficult stretch there. Uh, however, we do finish off the season against the Bulldogs at home, which I would be confident going into right. So I I still absolutely maintain that we make the eight this year. And although you know it is a real patient year for us because we've had a lot of frustration, the fact of the matter is is that we are two wins off the top four. And although our points differential isn't great, we are two wins off the top four, and that can't be understated. So. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still confident, man. Are you still confident? I am. I'm going to the ladder now, and I, I think like we're going to get to the last three games and be thereabouts, and that's when we need to start being tested anyway. So we're going to verse the Panthers at home, mm-hmm. then we're going to verse the Storm in Melbourne, mm-hmm. and then we're going to be back on the Gold Coast against the Doggies um, for the final, you know, um, final game of the regular season. And I think that could be the game because I just think the ladder is so close this year. I'd love to say we're in the eight by that stage, that we're comfortable, but we just might not be. That doggies game there could could honestly be the one that absolutely cements us. What I'll say on that is that we do play the 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 Panthers and the Storm there and the Sharks the week beforehand in Cronulla as well. So we those do, last yeah. four games, yeah, the Bulldogs game you look at and you think of that as a bit of a reliever and hopefully you know we're at a point there. But those are a really difficult three game stretch in Cronulla at home to the Panthers and then in in Melbourne. So if we can if we can pick up four points there, that'd be unbelievable. But in the same sense. What is realistically the point of being in the eight if we can't take four points from those six games? Like, what realistically is the point? I know it's fun for us. We make the eight, but we're setting ourselves a expect. Well, we're setting ourselves a happiness expectation of just being there. And it's like, do we really want to just be there, especially after thirteen years? Like, yes, okay, cool, we'll be there. That's great. But I also want to have like some belief that we can get past the first week because I saw a stat the other day that was absolutely dreadful that said that we've only been past the first week once and we've only actually won one finals game ever. And that was against the Warriors back in 2010 at Seabass, my favourite game that I've been to for the Titans. And couldn't even imagine what it'd be like now considering the investment is so much more nowadays than it was back then. But yeah, it's uh, what are your thoughts on that? Like, yes, getting to the eight is fantastic, but do you do you feel like this team does have the ability to, to go forward uh, even further? Because we were so close in 2021 against the Roosters as well. And that's the game I was going to reference. Um, like I've never felt heartbreak like that. But you just think if we got that final moment right there as a team, um, then we are, we're, you know, we're every chance to kick on from there. I can't remember who the Roosters played the next Manly. week. The Manly Seagulls, and the you know, season. that would have been tough. I mean, ultimately, we'll never know. But I, yeah, we were one pass away from doing it. Um, so yeah, I've got the belief that once we get there, it's a whole new season. I'm not going to sit here and say we're ready to win the premiership yet. I'd love it. And I'm not saying it certainly what I'm not ruling it out 100%, but that would be a very big bridge to cross. But certainly it's time we take that next step and, and go deeper into the finals. You look at sides like um like the Sharkies, Rabbitohs, Roosters, um, Storm. Up, up until re- winning their premierships in the last decade or so, they were consistently in the finals for five or six years before. Um, Cowboys are another great example. They lost the three 
prelims in a row under dubious circumstances, or maybe not prelims, but those three finals games in a row under all three dubious circumstances, I believe. Yeah. Um, but, you know, because they were there consistently, it helped build their squad, build that big game experience. And I think we could be in that phase where we're starting to build up our big game experience. So, yeah, I'm optimistic. I really hope so. And um, just looking at the ladder, it looks like you and I will be catching up the round after that. Time. Yeah, we got by this week, Broncos next week in Brisbane, and then down to Canberra for the uh, the game against the, the Raiders there, which we won't talk about last year's game. We will not be doing that. Uh, I refuse to uh, discuss that one there, uh, Clarky. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to getting down there to Canberra. Yeah, no, I can't wait for it as well, mate. It'd be great to catch up. Well, let's go into our Q&A section. Usually we'll do about three or four questions. We'll do a little bit more today just because there is no preview section with us on the buy round. So the first one we kind of already answered. It was from uh, Sayferg03 on Instagram. They said, you reckon you'll make finals? I think we will. You think we will? Anything further to add to that one? Yeah, absolutely. I believe that we make finals. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, I love it. I love it a lot. <laughs> just a one from, too, yeah. yeah. There, there's no need to overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. We'll be there. We've got one from Bizarre's underscore man. And I like this one, actually. It's a little bit creative. Um, and I was going to do some prep and start thinking, but I wanted it to be pretty you know, off, off the cuff, if you will. He says, if you could get any player from the NRL to save your Titans, we don't need saving, but oh we'll continue with the question. <laughs> he says, who would it be and why? Now, yeah, I'm not, not a fan of the save part. I don't think we need saving, but certainly it'd be interesting. If you could have one player from another club right now, who would you grab and why? Well, I think that it's... Uh, yeah, look, this is actually a really fun question, to be fair, because let's assume that there's no salary cap, for example. Uh, you look at, obviously... Are we, are we thinking salary cap too? Surely not. Oh, I mean, even salary cap realistic. Like, you could move someone on. You can always make it work, I feel. Um, so, no, yeah, exactly. let's just say anyone. You can pick anyone. All right. So, like, just to decipher the team a little bit, I'm happy with Sammy Verrills in the hooker role. Normally, it would have been the hooker position, but I'm happy with Sammy Verrills there. Uh, you know, you've got... See, the, uh, right this second, to make us a dominant quality team right this very moment, you would obviously look at a guy like a, a Nathan Cleary, and I think that's the, the obvious answer there for our halfback um, you know, discussion point here. But there's also the fact we've got no worries with our fullback, and our full, forwards are fine, and our backs, in my opinion, are fine, and they're not going to be game changers in regards to uh, the team winning if we implemented a centre or winger. We don't need that. So it's between the 5'8 and the halfback. And it's like Kieran Foran is getting older now. You know, he is, uh, what, 32 years old. And I love kids, but look, let's be honest, Munster coming into this team would absolutely change this team in so many great ways. He's done it with Queensland. He's done it with Australia. He's done it with, with Melbourne. And, you know, it's, it would be a fun thought to think that Cameron Munster was here playing on the Gold Coast. And look, I think that he could work a, a, a alongside, you know, Tanner Boyd you know, quite well, to be completely honest with you. So I actually would go against the grain of getting a halfback there of, of a Nathan Cleary. And I would look at Munster, who can really lead this team as a 5A and obviously has quite a few more years going forward, a few more years, obviously, in front of, of Kieran Foran there. Now, our people that are viewing this on YouTube, as you said, Munster, would have seen me drop my head back. I was weighing up two players in my head and while you were talking, I was having an internal <laughs> debate. Who do I pick? And I've actually, hand on heart, <laughs> I was thinking Munster as well. Um, pretty much for the reasons you said, I think his creativity would be so awesome with our powerful forward pack. His unpredictability would suit our play style and our outside backs. But I won't go Munster now. So I'll go someone <laughs> somewhat realistic. Um, let's go Ben Hunt. I think Ben Hunt would be great for us right now. You know, he's still in the top 10 of that Dally M. What he is able to do with the Dragon side consistently, and especially last year with them as well, why everyone around him struggled. He was a one shining light. I feel like playing behind our forward pack, uh, he, he could play some really consistent footy. And um, yeah, as you say, with Kieran Foran edging another year older, where, let's say for the argument's sake for this one, Foran doesn't decide to play on pass next year where he's contracted. Then I think it's it's um yeah Tanner Boyd to six probably Ben Hunt to seven Jaden Campbell fourteen um and of course Grimson remains the fullback there Verrills at hooker so yeah I'll go Benny Hunt if I had to pick someone other than Munster of course this one here is a, another signing question it's from Josh D Gray ninety four do you think the Titans should sign Matt Lodge so he can rampage on the Gold Coast now I, I assume you mean rampage on the field I hope you mean rampage on the field and if you don't then it's a it's a cheap laugh, but it is a laugh. You got me. Um, 
Matty Lodge, I'll, I'll start this one off, Blaze. I'm going to say no. I just, I, I'm just <laughs> looking realistically at our squad. I don't think we need Matt Lodge. I think there's other clubs that need him more. I mean, as we say, we've got Bo Firm to come back next year. Um, we've got Tino, um, sorry, we've got Isaac Farsal, Malawi, Jacob Arlick, uh, Jamin Joloff, Joe Verner, Joe Stimson, who should go back into a middle role next year. I hope we re-sign Thomas McKayley past this season. So, yes, Matt Lodge, not a bad player, but just I just don't think we need him. Um, you can on signing Matty Lodge or not really? I'm going to pass, man. Thank you for the offer. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's definitely not the... Especially considering after the way that he was during that Titans-Warriors game back in 2021. You know, the, the last game of the season, we had to win by 11 points. We ended up winning by 44 points to nil. And giving the fans the bird, you know, and just just the way that he is... Like, it, it, it is no... There's no confusion as to it didn't work out in Brisbane. It didn't work out at the Warriors. It's not working out at the Roosters now. Why would we then go out of our way to sign a guy that it's obviously not working out for him? Now, on his day, he can be a great player, but also I just don't want to take that risk whatsoever, especially with the guys you just mentioned. Yeah, Tino, um, Mikey Fodawaka, Jimmy Jolliffe, you know, McKaylee. We've got a whole heap of guys, Joey Stimson in that front row. Like, yeah, no, no, no. Then what I'll say is is no, and I'll give a hard pass there because I don't think he suits what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, with uh, with respect to Matt Lodge, it sounds like we're in the same boat. Just to get out off contract middles while you were talking there. Tom McKayley and Joseph Vuna, how only two coming off contract as well. Both a chance to re-sign, so um, yeah. I don't think we need Matt Lodge at this stage, but there, like, there are other clubs that could use him. Absolutely, that's um, you know, pe- people were like genuinely outraged he wasn't in the Australian side last year, so that shows the form that he was in. For what it's worth, he did get dropped this round though for Terrell May. Yeah. Reed Cap, why have the Titans never been good? Now I'm not sure if this is a, a I'm not I'm not sure if this is a genuine question because I did get obviously you know what it's like online the trolls having their say why are you garbage etc cetera, etc cetera. but. Um, if this, if, if you are being genuinely serious, Reed, and even as a Titans fan, I can see why from the outside looking in, rival fan bases would genuinely say that. We haven't had the greatest success, but I just think it goes back to, it is so hard to join an established competition. You look at the Parramatta Eels when they joined in the 1980s. They won the wooden spoon like eight times in their first 10 years. And that, and that was in the 80s when it was nowhere near as professional as it is now. Mm. One thing that will really put this to the case is how do the Dolphins look over the next five to ten years? They could not have had a better start. Yes, they had to go out and sign players nice and quick. But once they got Jesse Bromwich and Wayne Bennett, you know, you're starting to see the Melbourne Storm, half the Melbourne Storm starting forward pack go, and Wayne Bennett instantly it's an attractive option. Now you're seeing genuine rep players like Herbie Farnworth, Thomas Flegler jump on board, whereas we never really had that luxury um, to an extent. We didn't have the Wayne Bennett or the influential figure that everyone needed to go and play for. Didn't really put the person that really put their hand up and absolutely from the bat wanted to be a Titan was Preston Campbell. And he's the only one who has a grandstand in our stadium named after him. So we love you, Preston. Absolutely. But yeah, I'm going to say that for my answer. If this is a genuine question and not just a cheap shot at us, um, I would say that it is quite difficult establishing your club in a competition that's been around since 1908. Do you echo that or can you put your finger on anything else in particular? Oh, no, 100%. No, you're absolutely right. Now, I know that that's more than likely 99% of uh, the time going to be a troll question. But uh, to answer it for legitimate people out there who uh, do wonder why we've never been successful is, yeah, exactly what Clarkie said. It's a really difficult thing to come into this competition of well-established clubs and be successful. And look, the Dolphins, we're seeing it right now at the halfway point of the season. Are they even able to kick on? Because now they're below us. Right, despite having their fantastic season where everyone was so surprised, there is still a chance they could finish in the bottom four, and there is actually still a chance that they could go down really, really low. Does it happen? That's not the point. The point of the matter is, is that they've come in, and now they're going to start to feel the effects of the longevity of the season. Wayne Bennett's only there for, what, this year, next year, and he's probably going to move on, and I think it's Christian Wolf who comes in. Does Christian Wolf get the thing going? Do the Dolphins actually have a successful organisation that will actually continue to push them up? These guys that they've gone and signed from the Storm, they're older now, so do they have the ready replacements? It's all well and good that they've started off this competition great, but do they have the longevity? I'm not too sure. And then that echoes back to the Gold Coast Titans in the exact same thing. From 2007, they promoted and promoted up until 2010, and then unfortunately, just something didn't connect from 2010 to 2011, and 
since then we've really really struggled and it's always going to be difficult to to really you know force this uh, force a team to be successful it's not really that possible so although the dolphins have had the successful start you watch i don't believe they're a longevity kind of success rate and uh, yeah you know i i agree with you entirely and it's only the young kids now that are starting to become true fans of the titans it's obviously not helping when they lose but it's only the young kids now like you'd only be what, 16 years old? You'd only be 16 years old right now if uh, you were born when the Titans came in. We're only 16, 17 years into our competition. So, yeah, I, I think that now that we're going to start to really see fans come through uh, that are actually genuine, who started out and born on the Gold Coast, raised in the Gold Coast, I think that we're in for a good future. But unfortunately, it's just been a real big struggle establishing ourselves. I mean, let's just look at it this way as well. So Sharkies won their first cop in 2015. They joined in 1945, I believe. Uh, 45 was... maybe. I think it was with the Panthers, wasn't it? 1949? Or... It could have been 45. You could be right. So we're looking at 60 to 70 years there, which means if we won our first NRL premiership by 20... 2077, <laughs> do you no, know what sorry, I mean? They, like... they came in 1967. 1967. Okay, so we're looking at... Um, what about 50 years there is it so they won in 2015 minus 1967 puts you at 48 years until their first comp we entered in 2007 plus 48 years onto that and we are at 2055 sorry so I was a little bit off my apologies <laughs> so we're at 2055 before we have to win our first comp to be on par with one of the Sydney teams yeah do you, do you know what I mean like let, let's just be fair to the Titans here um, in also that been regard, thirty-eight as well. years since the Parramatta Eels have won the competition. Also been what yeah. twenty-eight years since the Canberra Raiders won the competition. You know, there's a lot of teams out there that do have big droughts as well. Even the Broncos, they're sixteen years. They didn't. They hadn't won since two thousand and six. So they haven't even won since yeah. the Titans have been in the competition. The Broncos have not won. The Titans there. So although it seems like it's just the Titans are this massive failure, there is a lot of teams that currently could be put into the equation. It's great to have history and whatnot. That's great, but. If you didn't get to watch it, how good is it? <laughs> if you didn't get to watch it, yeah. how great is it? So that's why you don't... Well, Paramount fans try to use it, but there's just there's no real point to the, the basis of, oh, we won all these premierships 38 years ago. Because that's a long time, you know? That, that's 11, 9 years older than how I'm old. Like, I'm 29 years old, so that's, you know, 9 years... Yeah, man, I just... I, I feel like the Titans cop it because we haven't won one yet. But look at the Warriors. They've also not won anything in night since 1995. Yeah. So that's, what, nearly 30 years now that people aren't talking about. They talk about it, but they don't mm -hmm. really focus on it like they focus on it with us. And they've had the pick of a whole country as well. Like, yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of sound biased. In, in what, yeah, well, kind of, because they all like the other rugby over there. But, yeah, um, yeah it, it, I mean, certainly we are biased in, in our approach to our club. We always acknowledge that. We are, we're both so passionate about the Titans, right? But, I mean, you laid it out perfectly there. It's not like there's not other teams that you know and and the one that gets me the most of what you said there is the broncos yes i get it quote unquote we are your little brother because you've got six premierships but you've not won one since we've been in the competition but then they want to hang all this crap on the titans all the time <laughs> win a comp while, while we're in it you know what i mean it's not like we're the we'll roadblock stopping you from winning it next week, no? we'll, we'll, yes we'll, we'll great call next week because no? we do have we do have uh, the Broncos at Suncorp in, in two weeks' time, but I, I think that, that should do us here for today. We're, we're nearly at the hour mark, so we, we should start to wrap it up. But do you have anything uh, yeah. more to say about the week or, or, or going into the bye week before we do jump off? One more question, rapid fire on a scale. This one's from Zane Potter on uh, your Instagram. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the Titans' first half of the season? Uh, ooh, real tough one. Real tough one. I think if I'm going to grade it as like an A, B, C, D kind of system, I'd say that it is a... I would say that it's actually a B minus. I would go B minus because I do think that there is a large amount of positives from the season. And I do think that a B is deserved. But due to the second half fade outs, I do believe you have to give that minus. But that doesn't mean that we can't push it to a B plus, And it doesn't mean we can't push it to an A. If you put it in a C, it's kind of just like a pass mark. And I don't think that the positives that we have seen overall is just a pass mark. I do think going forward, they can uh, they can push it up to a B, B plus. And if we make it get into the finals and push deep, then obviously we move into the A marker. But yeah, I still think it deserves at least a B, but just the minus for the uh, second half thing that we are starting to hopefully tinker out. 
yeah, quickly for more from me before we close out the show. I mean, if you told me that past the midway mark will be uh, on 16 points and the Rabbitohs who are in fourth are on 18 points, mm. I'd take it as well. So B minus for me as well. I think we've uh, we've let some games go where we could certainly win in the future, but we'll learn from that. We'll keep moving forward as a club. I'm happy with where we're at this season. Um, so yeah, B minus for me. But as Blaze said, we are at about that one hour mark, which we do always aim for. We're very appreciative of everyone's time, whether you're watching or listening. So thank you very much for being here for the uh, Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast, the official supporter base of the Titans since 2008. And if you are a Titans fan and want to share this with some of your friends or family, please feel free to do so as well. Uh, we want to bring all the Coast fans together, inspire our community, get everyone behind the Titans. And uh, yeah, we all share that common goal. We all love the Titans. So with that being said, thank you very much from me. And over to you, Blaze, to say goodbye. Yeah, I understand, man. You know, we just want to bring everyone together. You know, it's a, it's a tough life being a Gold Coast fan. So if we can bring everyone together to, you know, really keep that energy, feel the energy as the club slogan is right now and, and just push forward together. That is the, the main goal here. So obviously comment below here if you're watching on YouTube, comment in the comment section. We do, we'll do our best to obviously reply to what you have to say or we'll even include it in next week's podcast in the question section. So um, yeah, obviously get involved there. If you're listening on Apple and Spotify, we do really appreciate you as well. And you know, um, that's uh, pretty much it here from, from Clarky and myself. So we appreciate you and we'll see you guys next time. Go the Titans, baby. Let's get it.